Are you ready to start getting more from your money in life? Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Here's to your financial awakening. Well, hey guys, welcome to Ditch the Suits. Steve Campbell here with my co-host, Travis Moss. Uh, Folks, this is really exciting. This is episode number 53. And I know most of you have been listening this entire journey with us audibly through Spotify, through Apple. Appreciate you following our journey. But we also want you to head over to YouTube. If you look up Ditch the Suits, you're now going to be able to see the show really come to life and see Travis and I on screen. So for all of you that have never seen us before, Nice to meet everybody. Welcome to Ditch the Suits. Uh, If you are new to the show, we typically do our podcast in three-part series where we take a very high-level concept and then we break it down so that by the end of that last episode, you have a full understanding of what we've been talking about. And one of the things that we do is we're always looking for good, fresh content. We went to our friends at New Retirement and asked if we could pose a question to really all of their social media followers on what topics would you like to hear about, specifically when it comes to retirement and financial planning. And the overwhelming response that we got was this question of how to navigate your gap years. And what we mean by that is we talk a lot about financial independence on this podcast. There are people that have been saving money, they've been working extremely hard, and they have a desire to retire sooner than most people have the ability to do that. So if they want to retire early, let's say 55 years old, there's a gap of time between when they turn in their last paper to when Social Security, their pension, and other benefits kick in that a lot of people have confusion about. How do you make that money stretch? How do you do the right things? This is what we're referring referring to as the gap year. So what Travis and I want to do is take a little bit of time to really talk about the big tools that you probably have available to you in your retirement that you should be understanding really how they work. So in this first episode, we're going to talk about all things Social Security, a very confusing tool that most people have access to, but they may not be necessarily using it the right way. In episode number two, we then want to shift into pensions. Some of you are lucky enough to have pensions, but you may not understand the right timing or how to select it. And then in the third one, all we want to do is bring this whole concept home to really help you have maybe an action plan for how you can look at navigating the gap years. So we want to get right into this because we're super excited about this content to talk about social security. So Travis, why don't you paint a picture? Why don't you help all of our listeners understand what is social security? I am all amped up on this topic today. Um, I'm going to do my best not to get ahead, not to get my head over the skis on this and get too far ahead on our presentation. But uh, I think we have a great way to talk about social security that's going to make it make sense to people. And then then people can take that and that whole question about how do I fill the gap? It's going to be like, aha, okay, that's what social security, that's the role of social security. I got this now. So think of this, you've been working your whole life in your paycheck, every single paycheck, they've been taking out social security taxes. If you're self-employed, you get to pay it at the end of the year, or you get to pay it with your quarterly or whatever, but they're taking the taxes from you. And basically you get credit for that, but you don't get credit for that until you hit a certain age. And so it's kind of like a pension. You're going to hit a certain age and there's this pile of money for you that's going to be accessible to you based on certain circumstances. So some of these circumstances, just like how a pension would work, it's based on when you started. So how old are you when you started? Um, How much have you paid in over the years? Are you still working? There's an earnings test to it if you're taking it early. So there's some, some, some strings attached to it. And if you don't understand them, you might inadvertently cost yourself a lot of benefits or just create a whole bunch of grief for yourself that you don't need to be doing because you'll be worrying about the wrong stuff. 
Social Security was never meant to be the only income that people have when they retire. Okay, if you go back to when it was designed, first of all, when Social Security, Social Security first came out, people didn't live that long. Like average life expectancy when it first came out was you retired, you got a gold watch, you got three years and then you keeled over. Well, that's not how it works anymore, right? Now you retire and this is why Social Security trust funds running out. People are all concerned about not, you know, maybe it won't be there for me. The whole issue is, is that you weren't supposed to live 30 years after retirement because of, you know, modern medicine and lifestyles and everything like that. Now it's awesome. Now you get to live like a, an extra lifetime, essentially, versus what maybe people in the 50s were doing. So it was designed, though, really to help those less fortunate who who couldn't necessarily um, afford retirement themselves. So think about low income earners. Social Security is geared to provide about 75% of a low-income earner's uh, pre-retirement income. So you're talking about people close to the poverty line there. Um, and then medium earners, you know, which is kind of middle America, about 40%. So it's not designed to, to be like, if you're thinking I'm going to retire on Social Security, probably not going to be a good situation. Uh, it's only designed to get you about 40% of the way there. Um, and then if you're a high earner, it's only 27%. So it's, 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 and, but 27% could be a lot, right? If you make $300,000 of income, 27% is a lot. If you make, you know, 30,000, 27 would not be enough at all. So keep in mind that this is, this is a tool that was specifically designed. And because of its specificity, how do I say that? Specificity? How do you say We're that? all drinking what you're serving. You just yeah, keep going. Yeah, okay. So I'm serving again. We're so. with you. <laughs> so uh, because of the way it was designed, you can actually, you know, if you understand how it works, take advantage of it. So in the, the last point before we get into kind of all about Social Security um, and how we want to think about using it is it's really based off your top 35 years of earnings. So if you got a bunch of goose eggs in there, it's going to hurt your benefit. That's why some people who have worked 30, 40 years are going to have a higher benefit, even if they didn't necessarily have a higher income than somebody who's only worked 10 years. Um, and also, if you've worked 35 years and you're working another year, possibly and most likely, you know, next year's salary is bigger than your part-time job you had coming out of college. So it, it'll help kind of goose and round up those earnings a little bit which then goes into that pile of money that you get when you hit what's called full retirement age. Yeah. Well, I think you touched on a lot of really good things. I mean, we, we just crossed the whole gamut and we always say on this show, if you, we had a moniker for what ditch the suits is all about, it's to help you get the most from your money in life. And one of the things that you just talked about in this first segment is people are living longer than we ever expected. Retirement is now this really long window of time. The last thing that we want people to do is be stressed out, anxious, and depressed in what should be the most exciting part of their lives. So it's not just about money and picking the right box, but it's also getting the most from the life that you're about to live, which should be these retirement years and this exciting part. But that doesn't remove the fact that there's a whole lot of confusion around Social Security. And we joke all the time, when we don't know what to do, what do we do? We go to the internet and we look up, what should I do with my Social Security? So we're basically looking for somebody to tell us what to do, but we forget the fact that maybe our situation is different from somebody else. So let's remove all the confusion about Social Security by really hitting home this idea of, 
what are people getting wrong about Social Security that maybe we could bring to light and, and make it in a way that's understandable for people? Yeah, I think I think it's it's easier to explain sometimes what you're getting wrong than, you know, just give a stat sheet of what this is because you can get that online. But the misconceptions, the stuff that you hear from your friends and stuff, that's important. And you made a really good point. Um, you know, it's this is unique to the individual or the family. What somebody does is not something that you have to do just because you respect what that person does. Their family situation or their their personal situation may be very different than yours. And you may not even understand the details or maybe they don't understand it themselves, but they're confident about it. So you're just like, okay, you know, let's roll with this. You got to remember back to our, our saying that we use all the time. This is your life and your money. It's not their money, right? So you gotta, you've got to understand there's some things that we need to look at about you and your family, starting with survivorship needs. Uh, we'll get into some of these in a minute, but I'm just going to list them off first. Survivorship needs. That's the idea of somebody, maybe a spouse predeceasing another one and what the surviving spouse needs. Personal health, uh, income taxes, cash flow needs, projected tax returns of your portfolio. And there's additional things, more nuanced and circumstantial. But if you do a cheap assessment, you are going to get cheap results. Right? Like, think about it. You want to, you, anything you buy, right? You're going to make a, a big purchase decision. You're going to go buy a house. You're going to do a house inspection, right? You're going to make sure that if there's anything there that you didn't see, like termites under the floor or something, you got an expert looking at it saying, oh, these are things you got to think about. This is going to cost you. We got to do the same thing for social security. We're not just going to be like, oh, well, everybody should take it earlier because, you know, maybe they won't get it when they're older. That's not how that works. Um, so, and most online calculators don't do this because it's complicated. There's a there's a human element to this to knowing the right questions to ask. And so think about some examples. We're going to talk about one-off examples, but imagine if you have all these things and you have to mash them together, how complicated that gets. You've got cash versus long-term uh, diversified investments. So this is the idea that if I don't take Social Security, I'm going to have to use my own assets uh, to pay for, you know, to support my income. Well, if you have cash making 0% in your savings account, and you're like, well, I'm not going to spend that. I'm going to take money out of my investments that are growing at 8.5% a year. We might need to think about whether or not we should be taking Social Security instead of the investments or whether or not we should be taking ca using our cash and, and allowing that Social Security to grow by inflation, right? So we have to be cognizant of the fact that every asset, every financial asset you have has a return profile on it, Social Security included. And you want to maximize that long term. If you have a short life expectancy, so Steve, let's pretend you were, you know, 62, and you're thinking, well, I don't need my Social Security right now. I'm financially fit. I'm good. But you know what? I just got diagnosed with something that is very likely going to mean that I have a shorter than life, you know, an, an expectation that probably I'm going to die shorter than regular life expectancy. Social Security is all based on life expectancy per, you know, the government guidelines, right? So it's not your life expectancy. It's, it's a male born the year you were born. 
you know, should live to X age on average. That's what it's based on. So if you're not going to make it there, you actually have to seriously think about taking it earlier because you've got to get your money out of the system, right? All those tax dollars you paid, the longer you wait, the more it's a game of how long are you going to live? Um, you have to think about a hardship. And a lot of people miss this part. The way that survivor benefits work is your surviving spouse. If you're both are, if you're both collecting benefits, your surviving spouse gets the higher of the two benefits. So that sounds great. Let's say that your benefit was 36,000 a year and your spouse's benefit was 18. However, your spouse took it at 62. So when you pass away, they will get your 36, but it will be reduced by about 70% since they took it at 62. So it's reduced to the starting date that they took it out. So it's super important to account for that. Not just a, how do we look today, but my goodness, if one of us checks out early, what happens to the other one and can they afford that? What's the financial damage, especially if like we just talked about with health, what if there's a shortening life expectancy thing that you even know about? You really need to plan for these things. How about the impact of income taxes? Not necessarily your tax bracket, but just the impact of it. Social security is very tax friendly. Most states do not tax your social security. The federal government taxes up to 85% of it. In certain income situations, they don't tax any of it. You got to understand that. You could be paying pretty significant income taxes because you're taking money out of a retirement account versus, you know, a significantly reduced income tax burden. So the same dollar coming out of Social Security is actually worth more than a dollar coming out of your retirement account from a standpoint of how much you get to keep in your pocket. And that's super important when you're looking at cash flow needs and longevity and inflation. And, and then you couple the investment returns in there. You know, if I, if I can grow my investments to eight and a half percent, that's going to be higher than Social Security over the years. Um, that type of thing. Uh, if you're a cash person, I don't believe in the market. I don't put my money in there. I leave it in cash. OK, so now you're growing at zero and Social Security is growing at inflation. Which one should you use first type of thing? Um, and then what are you doing with the benefits? Do you even need it? Right. So are you taking the benefits, paying taxes on them and then sending them in cash, like literally putting them in cash? Just I like having a big savings account. I've got two hundred thousand dollars in cash. So I put my Social Security there. So you took a you took money that was going to grow at inflation and you triggered it early, which means you locked in how much you can get essentially per year. There's no more you know growth on that other than your cost of living increase. And you then put it in something that makes no interest or, or minimal. It's not going to keep up with inflation. So you've made this incredible impact to your long-term financial health because you don't necessarily understand that Social Security is just another asset that you have on top of your investment accounts, retirement accounts, uh, pension accounts, house, real estate, anything like that. <clears throat> the next point is, is that, well, oh, go ahead. And can I park? Yeah, yeah, can I park right there for a second, partner? You just gave us all a crash course and probably made five of the most deepest points that probably most people have never even considered when it comes to Social Security. Because what they're doing is they say, I don't want to work anymore. I want to retire, right? That's what they want to do. So that's the goal. Then they know that there's these pools of money that are available to them. And I think what happens sometimes, and we don't mean to do this, the desire or where we're coming from is a good place, but the execution is poorly done. 
people look at their social security benefit statement from ssa.gov and either look at the largest number available or when many can come in. And what you just did is tried to help people understand there's so much more that's involved with picking social security other than just the highest number or waiting and really viewing it as a tool because you just talked about investments versus taking social security versus cash. That's a whole segment right there. You just talked about none of us have a crystal ball. None of us know how long we're going to live. If you get a diagnosis that's severe enough, that changes the way that you look at the life that you're living. That's huge. Hardships. None of us know when our spouse is going to pass away or something happens to them. If the last three years have done anything, it's given us all a pass to understand that sometimes life is really unfair. The fourth one, the impact of income taxes, not just that tax bracket you're talking about, but how social security is taxed versus other pools of money. And then this last one, what are you going to do with it? Those five questions alone, if you're listening to this podcast, you're engaging with us on YouTube. Those are five like keys that I don't think most people, because they're just not financial planners for a living, that they even think about when it comes to their social security. They just want to take it as soon as it's available or wait for the largest number. So I just wanted to pause, not to redirect the conversation, but help our listeners understand it is really confusing and it is really super complex, but it doesn't mean it's impossible to figure out. You just have to make sure you really understand the rules of the game so you can get the most out of it and and unfortunately not check the wrong box or take something at the wrong time. So I, I think now as you kind of lead us into this retirement age in this next point, why don't you kind of pick up where you were? Yeah, I, I want to make a point that off of what you just said too, that because I thought that was a really great recap of that. Um, this, a lot of people have a financial person they deal with. And I can tell you that I've dealt with plenty of CFPs and financial advisors over the years through recruiting, training, working with them or working with clients, moving clients away from certain planners and people and stuff. You know, there's, there's certain firms that you could call up and, and as part of your investment fees, you get access to a CFP or something like that. And they'll give you financial advice. I can't tell you how many times I've seen horrible financial advice from even CFPs around Social Security, you know, where... They're essentially an order taker. The client calls up and says, you know, I got Social Security. I'm thinking about taking it earlier. And they're like, yeah, so, you know, what are you going to do with the money? Well, you know, I'm going to use it for my hobbies and stuff. It sounds great. And then we look at it and like the client's got massive tax planning, Roth conversions uh, to be planning for, lots of longevity, huge tax situations. And we're like, what are you doing? You just created an extra $30,000 of taxable income. And you got all these other things you have to deal with. And they're working with a CFP or they're working with this other financial planner that they, they're paying for. And basically, the only thing they're paying for is to gather assets. The guy's managing their money. And whether or not they're even doing a good job with that is questionable. So if you go and you talk to a financial planner and you're talking about Social Security and you're not talking about these things, you're not talking about Social Security planning. You're just like, okay, yeah, let me pacify you so that I can get on to my, you know, selling my next annuity or something. That's what that's all about. You need to be having these conversations. Every client, it doesn't matter how simple it looks like, we go through these. We go through these questions over and over again until they claim benefits. Um, so back off my soapbox. Sorry about that. That was great. That was great. <laughs> Don't stop. Um, so retirement age, 62. Full retirement age, 67. Now, if you are older, your full retirement age might have been as low as 65, and then it was indexed all the way up to 67. So Depending on who you are, if you looked at your social security statement, the 
full retirement age is, could be a different number, but for everybody, retirement age is 62, according to Social Security. According to Social Security. That's how Social Security is calculating how they cut up your pile of money. That has nothing to do with your retirement, your real retirement date, your personal retirement date. They're just using those terms to set, you know, so everybody's using the same language. But 62 it is, is not dictated to you as your retirement date by Social Security. They're just using that as the earliest date they'll allow you to, to claim your benefits. Or 67, full retirement age. What the heck does that even mean? We'll get into it. But it doesn't mean that I have to work until I'm 67. That has nothing to do with it. That's just a point where you get to get some benefits without reduced benefit calculations kicked in, kicking in. Um, so people get confused by that all the time. It's not wrong to be confused. It's the same vernacular. But Social Security has a different definition than you. You got to kind of look at their glossary. <laughs> Uh, so it's hard. It's confusing. So when we're thinking about early benefits, so 67, Social Security is going to tell you what your full retirement age. And let's say that they tell you right on your statement. And I think you were talking before the show. They might call it FRA on your statement. Yep. Okay. So FRA, full retirement age, interchangeable. But um, this is important for two reasons. For every month earlier than that full reti retirement age that you claim your benefits, you get a half percent reduction. It's monthly. So that's what's awesome about it, though. You don't have to wait for a year to go by, right? You get credit every month. So that's great. So basically, every month that you retire or not retire, you claim Social Security earlier than 67 is a half percent reduction. Or look at it this way. Every month you wait longer than age 62 you get a half percent increase. You look at it either way, half glass, half full or glass, half empty, whichever way you want to look at it. So if your full retirement age was 67 and you're claiming, uh, and it's about a 0.5% reduction, but anyway, just round to 5.5. But if you're claiming at age 62, it's about a 70% reduction overall. So you can kind of do some easy math there. Um, if you are still working before you get to retirement age, and so we talk to uh, retirees all the time about this. This is a big, so we talk about financial freedom, right? You want to work until you don't need to work anymore. And then if you want to work, you work because it makes you feel good, not for the money, but sometimes the money's good. So sometimes there's an impact on you and that can cause kind of a conundrum with social security. Like, should I take it or shouldn't I and whatever. What you got to understand is like, for instance, in 2023, so this year, for every dollar uh, or every $2 you made over $21,240, so this is you individually as the employee, so it's not the household, it's the employee, um, they reduce your benefit by a buck. So if you're still in high earning years and you take Social Security at 62, you can reduce it to zero, essentially. Um in the year you turn full retirement age, so the year you turn 67, for instance, then they reduce that to one, they reduce $1 for every three that you make, but it's a bigger number, over 56520 So it kind of gives you some guidance there. And that stinks, right? So you've got the 62, you've put your time in, they took your tax money, they put it aside, they said you could take it out, it's going to be on life expectancy, and then you take it. 
And because you happen to be fortunate and making more money still, they take it back. Which doesn't sound fair, right? Not really. They're not really taking it back. What they're doing is they're going to they're going to reduce your benefit. But then it goes back into that pile of money kitty that you got and it gets recalculated when you do get to 67. So it's an actuarial calculation. Basically, as six, pretend it's like this. At 67, and I'm making a number up, you're, you have a half million dollars you know, earmarked for you from Social Security uh, that you get access to at age 67. And that, will, that has to be spread out from age 67 to whatever they have for your mortality schedule, right? Based on whatever table the government's using at the time. So there, there's, a, there's a fixed time that money has to last. So if you take it early, it has to last longer, right? So the benefit goes down because you only got the same half million dollars. It's just you're going to spread over more years if you take it early. So if you take it early and they reduce, let's say they withhold $10,000 because you made too much income, they put it back, they leave it in that 500000 And so when you get to 67, they recalculate it for you based on what's left. So it'll be good. You'll get a boost. Plus, you'll get more Social Security taxes withheld, which will probably continue to boost your income, your Social Security benefit, and so they essentially true you up. So before we even get into this last section, we might have listeners that their mind is a little bit blown. They're all sorts of confused. They thought they knew what Social Security is. You painted a, a really great picture of how it works, but you also helped all of us really understand uh, that there's a lot more involved than just selecting on the box. And this is a perfect segue to talk about our sponsor. Uh, Seed Planning Group is a fee-only financial planning firm that has a fiduciary obligation to help clients really do what's in their best interests. So if you want to schedule a free meeting with a fee-only planner, you can go to seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. Let's remove any of the guesswork. But we want to go ahead and bring this episode home at this point by really talking about, we've led you from being super confused. Let's just make it really easy. So let's, Travis, talk about Social Security Made Easy. Let's go through these kind of back and forth, really about the main takeaways that people need to understand. So Social Security is essentially just a pension. Yep. And, and I think it's really important, partner, to understand some of these points might be redundant. We've already talked about them, but that's the key. Part of financial literacy is hammering home points over and over again until that light bulb goes off in your head. So stay with us. You pay in and get a benefit based on certain contingencies. So think of it like a pile of money that you get to draw on design, that's designed really last your entire life. You're not going to run out of it. And this is, I think, really important too. If you draw early, which is okay, you have to do what's right for you. If you draw it early, you get less per year, but you may end up getting more years than if you had started it late. And the reverse, if you start late, you're going to get more per year, but you may get less overall in case you check out early. Well, and that was, let's tie it back to what we had just talked about. None of us know how we're going to live. And that's a question that people want to know all the time. When should I draw so I really get the most? And it really depends upon your situation. So those two points really help it. However, if you stop here in your decision making and you think you have all the answers, you've messed it up already. Because taxes, survivorship needs, as we talked about, your life and the life of your spouse or somebody that makes financial decisions with you or is dependent upon you, whether or not you really need the income, 
and what other money is for uh, doing is so important. These are all things that have to be factored in before you go, yep, I know which option I should pick. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, Social Security is just another financial asset that you've earned. And you need to treat it just like you would treat any other one. You have to maximize it to your personal situation. In order to do that, you have to understand the rules, how to get the most out of it, what your options are. Yep. So as we bring this episode to a close, we want you to realize if you've been confused about Social Security, you're not alone. It doesn't have to be confusing. There just are a lot of moving parts. You really got to understand who and what's important to you. What is it all for? Remember, Social Security is a tool just like everything else. You don't have to be confused. That's why we're here on Ditch the Suits. So as always, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. We'd love for you to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And stay connected with us by following us on all socials at Ditch the Suits.